Welcome to the Stephen and Arjun's Football Podcast, where they discuss anything football, everything football. This podcast is brought to you by Starshot Bakery and Misuboy SG. Craving for party treats like cakes and cookies in Subang Jaya? Visit starshot.bakery on Instagram. Or would you like tiramisu in Singapore? Visit misuboy.sg on Instagram as well. Hello fellow listeners, um, welcome back to another episode of the Stephen and Arjun Football Podcast, uh, pending rename for the next season. <laughs> uh, back again with our frequent guest and almost co-host, Uday. Hi, uh, thanks Arjun. Uh, still, we're still signing the paperwork, I see. Um, <laughs> I think the transfer fee and uh, uh, weekly wages have not been finalized yet, but hopefully it will be finalized soon and then we can... <laughs> Change everything, am I right? Yeah, that's right. So, um, my co-host Stephen is still missing in action. Um, yes. but he, he should be back for the next in time for the next episode. So, meanwhile, we have uh, a couple of exciting topics to talk about today. Uh, we're gonna start off with uh, asking. Uh, I wanted to ask you since you're a big fan of uh, Marcelo Bielsa, and we had news coming out recently that he just got sacked by Leeds. Um, I think. I, I wanted to say it wasn't a surprise, but I thought they would have given him until the end of the season. Uh, but I guess it was a decision in the interest of the club uh, to try to appoint someone who will at least keep them up. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the second and Bielsa as a manager? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm quite uh, sad by the news. Um, I guess I haven't really spoken quite highly of Bielsa leads in this podcast, but I think uh, with you, Arjun, uh, even maybe with Steven in the chat and everything, I've always spoken of how amazing Bielsa is and how I highly respect him and regard him as an individual. Uh, this is a couple of interesting stories that I found out while preparing for this podcast. Um, there was once he stayed up in a hospital for a Leeds player where the baby had some sort of illness. So Bielsa stayed up the whole night. So it shows that he's such a great gentleman, he's a good character. He even gave away a car to one of the Ellen Road staff. Ellen Road is the stadium name for Leeds United. So as you can see, he's a very nice, humble human being who is very sad with his system, um, which is the individual man marking. Um, last season was the first season in over 16 or 17 years that Leeds finally came up to the top flight. Uh, for those listeners who are very new, new to watching football, Leeds were a big team in the 80s, the 90s, even in the early 2000s. And then they had some uh, wage difficulty. They had a couple of things, issues, financial problems and whatnot. And then they have been struggling to come back into the glory days of the glory league, which is the Premier League. Um, but he also brought it. He stuck with the system. He changed everything. He's a man with principle. He, he's Pep's mentor, apparently. Pep looks up to him a lot. Um, we speak a lot of Pep. And then, if I'm not mistaken, Pochettino as well played under him in one of those... South American uh, teams, which Pochettino is at. So it's a very nice guy. But like you said, because of the financial disparity between the Premier League and the Championship that happens, if Leeds get relegated, um, it most probably will be because of Bielsa not being able to change his tactics. And the fact that Leeds have conceded 20 goals in five February games three against Everton against and against Aston Villa, four against Manchester United and Tottenham, six against Liverpool. Um, 
all because he was very stern and like not changing his tactics seemed uh, one of the reasons why they had to sack him. Uh, it feels like the system he has, Arjun, I don't know about you, might be suitable for the championship. Um, but again, he's done magnificent things. I'm sure uh, the few things, a few people that come off your mind is Calvin Phillips, Arjun, how well he played in England and Maybe if it wasn't for Bielsa's influence, maybe England wouldn't have gone so far. Am I right? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think uh, he has brought on a couple of youngsters through as well. Um, and then yeah. even players like Bamford, Rafinha, yeah. Harrison. Yeah. He has helped develop these players um, sort of to reach their potential. Uh, but yeah, I think eventually his downfall was that he was too set in his methods. And yeah. uh, we all know these days that any top-class manager needs to be able to adapt. The likes of Pep Guardiola adapts um, somewhat to his opponents. The likes of Jurgen Klopp as well. Um, these are the most top managers. I think they, they all adapt to the opponent. But yeah, like you said, Bielsa was set in his ways. Um, even when they were letting in so many goals, he didn't want to go more defensive. He was true to his beliefs. And I think that led to his downfall. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, this definitely... Again, it was, it's quite sad for me. Uh, somebody that I, I respected as a manager got sacked and everything. Um, maybe some of my favourite games uh, since Leeds have come. I think the first game Leeds in the Premier League, uh, Liverpool 4, Leeds 3. Arjun, do you remember the game? Yeah, definitely. That was a great game. Yeah, that was, that was a great game. Uh, and then uh, Manchester United 5-1 Leeds that happened this season. Yeah. Quite a number of Manchester United games here as well. 4-2 MU, the recent one that happened. Uh, I think almost every um, United League game in recent times has been high scoring. Yeah, exactly. Um, I even remember the Man City 1-1 game where against Leeds. And I think it's the first time Man City played Leeds. Uh, it's the first time Pep and uh, Guardiola... Uh, sorry, Pep and Bielsa met face-to-face in the Premier League. And that was an amazing 1-1 game. Like A game that's a, a low-scoring draw was wonderful for me. I don't know why. And then Leeds even beating Man City. Do you remember the game where Leeds had one man sent off? Um, no, I can't. They came back from behind 2 1. They came back behind 1 0, 2 1, and everything. So that was also last season. So you yeah. can see all those great games are games against like high level teams as well. So clearly, Leeds um, definitely fought against the big boys and made it there. It's just it's very sad that he had to leave. Yeah, for sure. And taking over from him is Jesse March, who. Um, has been within the Red Bull football group. Uh, he has managed Salzburg. He has managed the Red Bull club in uh, US. And he has had a short stint with Leipzig as well. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how uh, he, he sets up leads to play going forward. I think his primary job, of course, is trying to avoid relegation. Um, and yeah, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's uh, yet another new manager to the Premier League. So it'll be quite interesting to see how he sets up his team. Looking forward to it. Seems like the new Red Bull, uh, what's that word, a revival or something like that. They're taking over the Premier League, you know. The Red yeah. Bull's taking over the. Um, <laughs> but they like it a lot. Red Bull, Red yeah. Bull's everywhere. They just want to know they're in the Premier League. <laughs> and now talking about the Premier League as well. So the next topic we wanted to talk about was uh, talking about the top four. Uh, what I mean, of course, we had our predictions at the start of the season. I think the top two or top three has probably stayed. Uh, true to most of our predictions but crucially the fourth position and since we're talking about the top four in general 
one to four, uh, we just wanted to have a prediction of what you think from here on out, how the season is going to play out and who do you think is going to finish in those four spots. So Uday, what is your prediction? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have the crystal ball. I wish I could be, I wish I could time travel in the forward and tell you, but like, I clearly it doesn't look like any of the teams are interested to finish in the fourth place. I mean, <laughs> just looking at the teams fighting for it, um, MU, Arsenal, Spurs, West Ham and Wolves. Um, I think, just let me just briefly go through and then tell who I think <laughs> might finish. I, I, I see you conveniently left up Spurs. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did put them inside because I think um, I've been seeing a little bit of resurgence of Spurs lately and I'm thinking, yeah, sure, they are also a team that can beat Man City and then lose to Burnley and then beat Leeds. I think everyone beats Leeds with Vanderbilt outside. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's just I put them there just to make just make it more interesting and see. Um, MU, well, I think you yourself pointed out in a couple few episodes ago or whatever, like MU is Jekyll and Hyde. You know, defensively we are good. Offensively, we're just horrendous. Our finishing is horrendous. I mean, like the last game we had against Watford. We had 22 shots, three on target in Old Trafford, MU's home ground. And we didn't score a single goal there. Yeah. Um, and this has been happening for weeks right now. Um, the match against Athletic... Okay, that Atletico Madrid, that was MU played badly. The other matches that MU played against Palace and the other matches that MU had, which could have ended the game earlier against Burnley as well, where we drew yeah. 1-1 against yeah. Southampton. MU's just finishing is just terrible. And... With finishing like that, I don't think that's going to take you to finish fourth place as well. Um, yeah. Then Spurs, I think. Arjun, what do you think of Kane and Son as uh, Spurs, uh, how you say, toolkit, special kit, you know. They have the special <laughs> force between Kane and Son. Um, I think they're just doing really well. They're a potent double act. Um, recently, Kane's been yeah. uh, performing up to his levels of last season. Yeah. Um, I think that because of that, if they can keep up the momentum, they definitely have a shout for the fourth place. Um, I think. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So I think Kane is very. Uh, I, I mean, in the partnership, Kane gets all the spotlight naturally because he's English. He's the national team captain. Uh, he's in English. But I think in that partnership, Son is actually uh, very underrated. I think he's the one that makes that partnership tick. He makes the runs. Uh, yes, Kane gives very good through balls, but um, I think Son will be able to replicate that partnership with another decent centre-forward like Kane. But Kane might not be able to replicate that with just any other winger. Uh, so I think the important piece there for Spurs is Son, your main. Uh, but having said that, I think their late resurgence has come a little too late. Uh, I know there's still like eight games to go and all the teams above them aren't exactly consistent. Uh, I don't expect United to finish top four, but I think West Ham, even though they have not been very convincing, but they've been they've shown that they are able to grind out results recently. So I think uh, they are a good shout for the top four. But Arsenal, on the other hand, they have games in hand, three games in hand. So we have to say that they are in the driving seat. Um, as well as they too have shown a little bit of ability to uh, grind out results when they are not playing too well. So, to me, I think Arsenal and West Ham are in the box seat for top four. I would love it if West Ham got fourth just to see West Ham in the Champions League. That would be amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think for Spurs, it has come too little too late. 
Yeah, I mean, fine, that makes sense. Um, an interesting point you brought up with Son being the uh, main, uh, how you say, main front man for the two-man band between Kane and Son. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, you're right. Arsenal might be, might just sneak into the top four because of the game in hand um, and doing that. West Ham, on the other hand, I think what's going to ruin West Ham chances are going to uh, make them feel more tired over the coming weeks is the fact that they are still in the Europa League playoff, uh, knockout stages. That's clearly going to have an effect playing Thursday, Saturday, Thursday, Sunday, whatever. That's always had an effect on English teams throughout the season and very few English teams have actually been able to do that and actually consistently push for a top four place. So, um, MU did that last season, surprisingly, but that's, you know, MU. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't think about West Ham. Um, the other team that I just put there just as a shout is Wolves. Um, Wolves, to me, I, I watched the recent game between West Ham and Wolves and it's such a boring team. They just, yeah, they're good defensively. But again, they have a similar problem in Manchester United where their conversion and their shooting is really bad. Um, they definitely can bring it to the big boys. Um, they've done it to Arsenal. They've done it to Man City. They've done it to Liverpool. Like they, As in done it, as in they've put a challenge up to them. They've and, beaten United as well. They've beaten United as well. Um, I think the issue with them is they're actually being able to finish off the games against the weaker teams. Um, that's been that, their issue for some time now and still the issue. Um, Wolves has a shout in the Europa League spot, but most, most probably not in the Champions League. So for me, I guess for both of us, Arsenal most probably is there, uh, taking the fourth spot. That's a pretty fair point uh, about West Ham yeah. uh, running in the knockout stages as well. So how about the rest of the spots, top three? Uh, I think I know you're going to say for third. It's close there right now with Chelsea, isn't it? Uh, but for the top two, uh, who do you back? Uh, I mean, a few weeks ago, it looked like Man City were running away with that title. But Liverpool, yeah. to their credit, have clawed back the deficit. Man City have uh, dropped some points lately as well. So it does look like Liverpool are able to challenge. So do you think Liverpool can push and just take it off City or do you think City have what it takes to win? I mean, uh, based on statistics and numbers, it's, it's Liverpool's to lose right now. So which means Liverpool can actually win it. Um, but I think I'll just back uh, Man City here for winning it right now. I think they might, they're the kind of team where a lot of decisions that happened this season are still somehow going to them. Um, this most probably might go down to the wire, of course. But I think Man City might just nick it. Yep, fair. Um, uh, I mean, it's very hard for me to call this one. But I, I kind of felt like Liverpool have the advantage here. Uh, just because the Man City still has to play Liverpool. And psychologically, um, I think I saw this somewhere. One of the pundits mentioned this, that in, in a title race, the team chasing always has uh, an advantage because you have nothing to lose, like you correctly pointed out. Uh, whereas City, uh, they they have to defend and it's they have to look over their shoulder and see Liverpool coming up, which is uh, much harder psychologically to defend. So just, just in that sense, I feel Liverpool has an advantage. But it will be an interesting match between the two when they come up against each other. Yeah, looking forward to the match, actually. The last match between both of them ended in a wonderful game, especially the second half. Yeah, with, for sure. Uh, brilliant most other goals. 
hopefully it lives up to the same expectations as the next match that's coming up. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now, moving on to another competition, the Champions League. Uh, I think the first leg of the round of 16 has concluded and we're all waiting. And, and of course, it's worth noting that this is the first season of the knockout stages in which there are no away goals uh, advantage. So, yeah, it, and looking forward to the second leg as well. So, we just wanted to discuss a few um, key matches or matches of interest. And the first one, of course, is the biggest, the pick of the time, PSG versus Real Madrid. Uh, for me personally, I felt like it went against what I thought. Um, PSG, despite their star power, have been struggling a little in the French league. Real Madrid are leading the La Liga. So I thought Real Madrid were going to win this one. But PSG edged it one nil, and throughout the time, PSG were the better team. So what are your thoughts on this? And where do you see the second leg going? Oh, I mean, like you said, um, PSG was the better team. Uh, even I predicted that PSG was going to lose because of how good Real Madrid has been in their league form. But clearly, it's the Champions League. And um, I think I've heard this quote so many times. You can't bring your league form into a European Cup competition or any cup competition to say, um, I think a couple of talking points during the match, which we thought that was going to shift the tide towards Real Madrid was the Lionel Messi penalty save by Thibaut Courtois. Yeah. Um, I think, to me, it felt like a weak penalty. But um, again, he's Lionel Messi. Who am I to question him and how he puts the ball in and everything? But honestly, that was a great save by Courtois. Um, I think he might uh, be in a better form in Real Madrid rather than the form he is in Chelsea, showing that he's good value for money over there. Um, and then the thing that shifted the tide again was the Mbappe goal. Uh, what a goal that was as well. Yeah. Um, it, I think because of that, uh, PSG might just be the slight favourites to go through the next round. But still, it's only a very slim 1-0 victory. And Real Madrid, uh, being Real Madrid, they are the 12 or 13 time Champions League holders, if I'm not mistaken, they won it 12, 13 times or Rabinus. So, um, it, it, it still was, can... it, it, no, sorry, 10 was it? I thought it was Slav and Sima that they were celebrating. Oh, it was way more than 10 right now. I think 11 or 12 already. Oh, yeah, okay. Slav and Sima, they were fighting for 10 already. Just, um, so, it's, yeah, it's I think. 12, yeah, it was probably 12. Um, I think um, Real Madrid might still make it in the second leg, uh, even without a way goal to. So, what do you think, Arjun? Yeah, I think it's a fair analysis and more so because of the isn't and the way it goes through. PSG scoring in the second leg doesn't impact as much. Um, I mean, every goal that PSG scores, Real just needs to match it. So, I think Real do still stand a chance. Although, um, like you mentioned, I do give a slight advantage to PSG uh, given that they do have a 1-0 lead and of course, they do have Lionel Messi and they do have Kylian Mbappe and they do have Neymar uh, while they have not shown consistently throughout the season that they can work well together, but uh, I think any one of them on their own can win a match. And so, uh, I feel PSG do have a slight advantage in this. But yeah, again, once again, this would be an interesting watch. Um, might be a tight one as well in the second leg, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, moving on to the second match. Uh, I think this one was completely different and 
this did go exactly how we predicted. Man City 5 spotting nil. Uh, probably just didn't expect such a big scoreline. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, the victory went the way we mentioned and Pep has the luxury of resting first team players for the second leg now. But <laughs> such was the dominance. I mean, are we really going to talk about this, right? I mean, what is that to analyze? Man City <laughs> is good, Bernardo Silva is good. Okay. I, mean, I mean, they were they were City, up at full time. I, I thought they could have won ten nil by full time. Yeah, I mean, that what is that to talk about? I think they actually shift the gear downwards. Um, but I mean, honestly, Man City is good. Ferrari Silva is good. Uh, Man, I mean, Man City clearly uh, it's the one trophy that they haven't won in the Pep era right now. They which they're chasing. So again, this match clearly puts them in the favorites of the driving seats to at least uh, win the cup. That's for me, like, that's my analysis. Yeah. I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then let's move on to the next match, which is uh, Bayern, which was a surprise. RB Salzburg won, Bayern won. Um, I think a lot of people, including me, thought Bayern had this in the bag, but they had did. They have been struggling recently. Um, they lost in the cup as well, the DMV Pokal. I think they lost a couple of times in the league as well. Um, and so I, I think they are having trouble finishing as well. Even in this match, they had 22 shots, nine on target, but they only managed to score one. They had 72% possession. So it, they did dominate the game. They just couldn't put the ball in the net. And the next match is at Alliance Arena, uh, Bayern's home. And it remains to be seen whether that advantage is enough for them to go through or Salzburg will just nick it from them. What do you think? I mean, this is the one of the matches that clearly suited Salzburg because of the away goals being uh, removed for this season because Bayern is away, Bayern's got the goal. If the away goals were still there, most probably Bayern would be in driving seat. But the fact that it's 1-1 right now and now they're going to Allianz Arena, it puts RB Salzburg in around the same area. But of course, clearly Bayern's going to win it, like, without a doubt. Uh, Bayern's, you're right, struggling. They have a mini crisis going on right now. They have a lot of injuries. Even Thomas Muller is injured, um, but I think with their firepower, with Lewandowski, they'll most probably be able to win the match at the end of the day, um, win the second leg as well. Um, good point to note is that uh, Coleman was uh, Bayern's best attacker, and he was the one who scored the equaliser. Um, I think, again, he's one of those players in Bayern Muni that we keep on forgetting when we have the likes of Lewandowski and all the other players that doesn't really get a lot of limelight. Um, but then again, he he does have his patches where he's good and he's bad. So can't really blame him for that. Um, the goal scored for RB Salzburg. Uh, what's the player name, if I'm not mistaken? Um, it's uh, hard to pronounce his name. Uh, we'll just call yeah. him Adamo. Yes, the reason why I brought up the thing was really hard to pronounce his name, and uh, it was. I guess you did a good attempt, <laughs> but yeah, good luck to Salzburg. Uh, I think they, this is one of those games in which it was FIFA game, Arjun. Yeah, like clearly one For side sure. dominated. <laughs> this reminds me <laughs> of the Celtic versus Barca match quite some time ago. Yeah, I don't know if they remember. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I think most probably Bayern Munich was in it. It's nothing much for me to see. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on to the next one. Uh, Inter Milan nil, Liverpool 2. I think it did go, result-wise, it went the way that uh, we expected. We did expect Liverpool to go through. 
in this tie. But it, to me at least, uh, I felt the match was closer. Uh, Inter Milan had more opportunities than I expected that they would. But they were a bit unlucky as well uh, with a combination of, of uh, decisions going against them as well as Allison and Van Dyke being in good form. So, yeah, what, what are your comments on this match? Um, actually, this match was a bit very interesting for me because I honestly thought that uh, Inter played uh, quite well against Liverpool. Um, I think they actually stretched Liverpool around. Uh, even Perisic had a good game at the left where he was actually playing against Trent. I don't know whether there was a tactical move played, made by the manager because uh, everyone knows that the Liverpool's weaker defensive player is uh, Trent because he's just really good attacking. So... I thought they played really well. Um, I th- and uh, what again changed the game was Liverpool's substitution and squad depth, which we were talking about Man City. Uh, Liverpool brought on Jordan Henderson and Luis Diaz, and they played really well, and they were able to change the game around. Um, Liverpool scored with two shots on target. So two shots on target, two goals, which is very interesting. And I guess for me, looking at the game and the highlights, Van Dijk and Konate was Liverpool's best players. And interesting stat of the day, Ibrahim Konate has not lost the game when he played for Liverpool. Did you know that, Arjun? Wow, this is amazing. I did not know that. Yes, this is wow. the start of the day. I'm giving it back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, interesting that you mentioned as well. Uh, yeah, Inter did play very well. And I think they were very unlucky to lose 2-0 because they lost at San Siro. And now they have to go to Enfield to try to get a result. And I think it's going to be really, really tough for them. So, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I think most probably Liverpool might go through. I I kind of said that Inter was going to go through. Yeah. Um. And <laughs> <laughs> looks like that backfired. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we'll just talk about our last chat. I mean, the last uh, match of interest in the Champions League, which we of course have to talk about: Atletico Madrid versus Man United. Um. <laughs> I guess even before, even when the time was announced, we spoke of this match as uh, two teams. For playing each other who are not doing very well. And I think that's exactly almost exactly how it went out. Uh game of two halves, Atletico were really good in the first half. Uh, okay, I mean to be fair, it wasn't Atletico which was good. United were really bad in the first half. Really, really bad. If an Atletico had better finishing, I think we would have lost like five nil in the first half. But luckily, Atletico couldn't capitalize. And in the second half, United dominated and scored a goal. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a deserved result for both sides. Uh, both sides were wasteful and, yeah, game of two halves. That's all I can say about it. What about you? I mean, I, I clearly predicted MU losing and uh, <laughs> MU almost lost. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for a late Anthony Elanga goal, who clearly has benefited a lot from the recent Mason Greenwood uh, issue that has happened on the news. Uh, He's one of those players that uh, listens to instructions. Seems like the kind of guy that Ralph Ragnick would like a lot and would and would actually follow his system. And he's been doing really well, even in the Premier League as well. He's got against Leeds and against Watford. He had a couple of chances over the last weekend. Um, but that's enough of a langa over here. Um, I think MU were horrible. Um, Atletico didn't really have much to score, but if they took their chances, they wouldn't have scored. Um, but and as I guess there was this one moment of notice where Ronaldo was asking for a ball, 
and then the ball didn't come to him and he was just looking backwards towards his defenders and he was like regretting his decision whether he actually made the right decision to come to Manchester because clearly <laughs> no one was giving him the ball. <laughs> and that was the point of note in the match. Um, but then, then I think, yeah, in the second leg, most probably Atletico might win it. Um, but I won't be surprised if uh, MU somehow manages to go through the next round as well. Yeah, another point to note as well about the first leg, which was odd, was uh, Victor Lindelof starting at right back. Despite yeah. having Diego Dalo and Aaron Wan-Bissaka on the substitutes bench. Um, yeah. I mean, there were some pundits who mentioned that it was because uh, Lindelof was playing really well. He was really on good form, so he was undroppable. But at the same time, Varane was coming back and Ragnik wanted a defender who was composed on the ball. And then Maguire mm-hmm. is the club's captain, so he wanted to play all three centre-halves, but he wanted to sit down in this formation. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think it was a big risk. Big, big risk uh, playing Lindelof in an unfamiliar position in a critical Champions League away match. It was a horrible yeah. situation. Um, yeah. Thankfully, it didn't really backfire result-wise. Um, yeah. Only because in the first half, like you mentioned, Atletico were all over United. Uh, players yeah. like Pogba was playing horribly. Uh, Fred wasn't that great either. Bruno Fernandes was horrible. I don't think there were... Rashford was pretty bad too. Um, so yeah, Lindelof did do decently, but it was still a very strange decision for me. And talking about the second leg, I feel Atletico has the advantage because now um, it's at Old Trafford where United are always under <laughs> pressure. <laughs> and United always crumble under pressure. I think what's going to happen is we're going to go one nil up in the first half, as usual, and we're going to concede two late goals and lose it. <laughs> That's probably what's wow. going to happen. Or we'll concede one goal and then lose it on penalties. That could happen either. Wow. <laughs> That's how I You've heard it here, guys. Yeah. You've heard it here, guys. Put all your money <laughs> in the Atletico right now. <laughs> Put all of it and win, win it back. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, okay, yeah, I guess I guess I can see that. Um, but yeah, it was actually very strange to do that. Seems, uh, I mean, not as strange as not having a centre defensive midfielder in a Champions League final, but equally as uh, questionable, why would someone do that? Um, yeah. Especially in a match against the Liverpool Madrid. Um, and then and, and, I think... And another interesting point to note was that uh, for the match against Watford, Harry Maguire was dropped, I think, yeah. probably for the first time all season, or yeah. one of the very rare time. It was very surprising, and to be fair, the defense did look a lot better without him. But then again, like you mentioned, the defense hasn't really been our problem at, at least lately. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the attack. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it sounds like an interesting second leg uh, to look forward to. Yeah, um, any closing results before we end this episode? Uh, the most probably not surprisingly yet. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all the best to Manchester United, I guess. That's the closing part, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right then. Um, thank you, supporters, for listening in to another episode of the Secret and Origin Football Podcast. Um, was an exciting episode talking about um, Bielsa getting sacked and interesting to see how Jesse March will come in and change the way Leeds play. Um, we talked about our updated top four predictions as well. Uh, and then we spoke about selected uh, Champions League matches from the first leg and our predictions for the second leg. Uh, we'll be back soon with another episode um, with yet more topics. Till then, 
Uh, see you. Bye-bye.